0: Cordell, I have life-altering news. I won't say changing, but life-altering news. Arguably, that's every piece of news, but carry on. I mean, you have a point that it's every piece of news, but this is something spectacular. Uh, Starting as we were recording last Thursday, and as you're listening, listeners, you have two more days, because Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Taco Bell is serving wings for one week only. Oh, it's limited time? It's limited time. It is one week only. And you know what that means. That means your boy's going to go get some wings after this.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, Emily, Emily, do you want to go get Taco Bell wings after this? No, but like for dinner. You know, gumbo can wait. It's wings, babe. She doesn't like
0: wings. I'll go on my own. That's fair. That's fair. Listeners. You have two more days. Eat up. Eat up and start the music.
1: Hello everyone, and welcome to Just Super, where we analyze, criticize, and otherwise size up superhero fiction. No story is off-limits, and no medium is safe. I'm Cordell, the guy who, like, thinks we probably should have said live Moss in the
0: opening. And I'm Caleb, the bad boy of radio who's living Moss every day of his life. Ah, oh, dang it, he beats me
1: again! You're way better at these opening things than I am, man.
0: I just kind of... Yeah, there's another podcast that I listen to pretty much weekly, religiously listen to called uh, Jordan, Jesse, Go. Uh, Also, Jordan Morris or Jesse Thorne, come on the podcast. You're both great. Possibly both. I mean, if you're a package deal like we are, both of you come on. Yeah, we can come on your podcast. But on their podcast, it's always uh, Jesse Thorne, America's Radio Sweetheart, and Jordan Morris, Boy Detective. That's fun. And all the guests have to come up with a nickname for themselves throughout the episode.
1: Have you thought of it? Like if you were to go on there like we just invited ourselves on, have you thought of yeah. your intro?
0: I have so su- I, I have dedicated too much brain space to um to what my nickname would be for Jordan Jesse Go. And it has nothing to do with me at all but it's uh Caleb Burley the cellar door of radio cuz that's the perfect phrase exactly
1: yeah yeah for those of you who don't know there's this weird kind of like micro section of it's kind of like english called phonesthetics yeah phonesthetics and it's basically how pretty does a phrase sound and yeah. cellar door is commonly cited as one of the most beautiful phrases, purely in terms of how it sounds. Yeah. Which, that's Caleb.
0: Yep. I think... That's what I was like, but it's also like the double entendre of like cellar door being like the most perfect, but also cellar door is in like the thing that leads to something darker.
1: Yeah, yeah. I like it. I think I'd be like, and I'm Cordell, the first, last, and only. <laughs>
0: One of my favorite ones I've ever heard was uh, Travis McElroy, another cool guest who I would love to have on this podcast sometime, was, um, I believe it was the Rhinestone Cowboy. That's a song. Right? It's also, it's it's a very good song. Yeah. I love that song.
1: We, we, we love Rhinestone Cowboy here on Just Super. You but know
0: what? We really do.
1: We also love talking about superheroes and supervillains. <laughs> you know what? I... We were talking to one of our friends the other day and we mentioned, like, talking about a villainous character. And they're like, But that's not a superhero. And I said, Ah, oh, maybe, maybe we reuse that term too much. Do we have a better way of discussing superhero fiction without always calling
0: it hero? Super person? Super character? Char- super character i feel like superhero like because the genre is superheroes right the the genre is superheroes but that's because most genres wind up being named after like the archetype of the uh protagonist
1: okay so if we were if we were to rename the genre then
0: super just the super super genre. genre
1: I don't know. We need more than a few seconds to think about this.
0: But We really we, we really
1: do. I'm gonna but Caleb, if you look just, at the whiteboard uh-huh. behind me, the whiteboard I've yeah. always had the whole time, I'm yeah. writing up there in our to do list for the show, rename superhero genre. Yeah. So like we don't have to do it now, but I want us to come back to that. I think I think we could
0: coin a new name for it. What uh, what okay. Let me float this idea to you. Episode 50. We are going to have the rename the genre spectacular. We may have on a guest. We may not. But we are going to dedicate episode 50 to renaming the superhero genre. And will the rest of the industry know? No. But will they respect it? Also no.
1: Okay, so that's officially in our plan, is the Rename the Genre Spectacular, and we'll revisit it at that point with all of our fun ideas, we'll have a whole discussion about what it really means to be in the superhero genre, what's a better
0: term for it. It'll probably be fruitless, but you know what? It'll be content. But it will also set up clearer boundaries for our guaranteed episodes from that point on. That's true, that's true. When we, hey, we have a place to start with Cap, the Cap genre. No. The Cap of the genre. Yep. uh Caleb, tell me who we brought this week. Okay, this week we're talking about, this is a big one. Like, oh, we talked about doozy. some big, this was a doozy. uh Not quite to the point where we needed two episodes like Superman, but I almost tried to float that idea to Cordell at least once or twice. This week we're talking about Loki from Marvel Oh, there's 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 so much like there's so much. It's not
1: even that Loki is all that complicated of a character, but it's like this dude's been around since basically Thor's been around in the comics, which actually
0: I'm going to get into that.
1: Oh, snap. You, You dive right in then you go.
0: All right. Let's just go right in with the real world origin. Loki first appeared in not Thor at all in a a comic line called venus which only had 10 issues he appeared in venus number six in august of 1949 but he was so unsuccessful that marvel erased that continuity and started a new one uh where he was redesigned by jack kirby and stanley in october of 1962 in journey into mystery issue number eighty-five.
1: It's okay. Venus started as a like romance story, like it was a romance comic that then went into science fiction and horror. Wow, that is fun little publication history stuff. Thank you, Caleb. Wow. So Loki predates
0: kind of Thor. Thor, yeah. Wow. Loki predates Thor. He was rebranded as Thor's archenemy. In journey in the uh, second one, the Jack Lee, Stan Kirby journey into Mystery, issue 85, that's where we get what we currently have him as, which is what we're about to get into. Yeah. Okay,
1: diving into the origin and general trajectory. Everybody kind of knows Loki's origin already, so I'm going to give you the cliff notes, and then I'm going to focus on two major changes that happened to the character in the Earth 616 continuity. Which is the mainstream Marvel universe, for anyone who doesn't know. First, Loki was born to Frost Giants and adopted by Odin. He was raised with Thor and a couple other siblings, but resented Thor for being so cool and pretty and being the rightful heir and whatnot. He's the god of mischief and has kind of always just lived up to that, like, he trickster's gonna trick. Yeah. So that's his his general trajectory has always just been... I'm a sneaky guy. Watch out. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky fella. On to the major changes, though, that happened. For mainstream Marvel Universe, Earth-616, there are three different pages on this website we use. that I go to Marvel fandom a lot.
0: There are three
1: separate pages for Loki. There's the original. There's kid Loki. And then there's the current. So I'm going to tell you how that happened. The original Loki died. He died way back during, like, the Dark Reign, Norman Osborn stuff, when he was killed by the Void, who is a character we'll have to cover eventually, because what a wild dude. He made a deal before his death, though, while he tricked Hela into taking his name out of the Book of Hell, so that instead of dying, he would be reborn and never truly die. Mm-hmm. After his death, he was reborn without memories as young Loki. But young Loki, at some point in his story and his adventures and stuff, met an echo of the original Loki, like a spirit kind of deal, that yeah. was like, you should be evil. And young Loki was like, nah, I'm going to turn you into a bird and name you Eichel, because it's Loki backwards. And then, like, the bird Eichel, like, followed young Loki around, kid Loki, and then eventually... Eichel schemed his way into taking over Kid Loki's body and becoming the current version we have today.
0: Wild.
1: Yeah. So he conned himself into coming back to being himself, but not really his original self,
0: but a version of himself that's closer to his original self. That was a very long way to say the right thing, and there's not a shorter way to say it, which is wild. Researching this made me so tired. Going on to
1: powers. Oh my gosh, this is a laundry list. This is so much. I'm gonna try not to like dwell too much on what being Asgardian does for him, because being a frost giant and Asgardian, both you know, super strength. They're super dense. They're longer lifespans. They heal quickly. Like they're just generally better than us. Yep. He's also a sorcerer and a magic user, and his primary use of magic is illusion. He's a master of illusions and tricks. He can also shapeshift, but only into forms that represent his true nature. So he can be, he can shapeshift into a man, a woman, a fox, uh, things like that. He's also got all speak, which means that he can understand and be understood by everybody. Like if there's a language, he can understand it and he can speak it. Um, And recently he struck a deal with some cosmic beings named now and then. And since that deal, he can alter reality by telling stories. Yes. Which is. We'll have to talk Wild. about that later. Yes. But let's go on to. <laughs>
0: Uh, Get ready. It's coming. Just Super
1: Science
0: Corner. Where we put the sense in nonsense. Cordell, is there any way the multiverse is real? I like to think so. Oh, buddy. Do I have news and do I have legit Cordell? Yeah. After we got off recording our other podcast, Not Wonderful, last night, uh, I did not sleep until 2 a.m. because I was doing research on any conceivable way that the multiverse is real. Uh, This gets into Loki, both in the comics and in the Disney Plus show, spent time working with what is known as the Time Variance Authority, correcting timelines. This is going to get into quantum physics for this science corner, and I need you to be prepared. We we do this too much.
1: <laughs>
0: Getting into quantum physics?
1: Yeah, for two dudes that know nothing about anything, we talk about
0: heady science stuff way too often. We really do, and I think it's because... Neither of us are dumb, but neither of us are quite smart enough to understand this. Well,
1: I think neither of us are dumb, but neither of us are educated in that manner.
0: There you go. We lack
1: a lot of base knowledge, but we're going to try to understand these insanely intricate concepts. Hit me with
0: it. Yes. So I want you to. We're going to. I'm going to briefly go over how time is presented in the Marvel Universe and specifically how timelines are presented. Uh, via Loki, both the show and the comics, uh, picture a single timeline going from left to right, kind of like you've got a string. Deal. Now, imagine a new branch forming off of that timeline. Deal. In Loki, these branches are caused by variants, or individuals who mess with the way time works somehow. Make sense? Yes. We're tracking so far. Now, basically, the show describes this concept as time branching off and forming an alternate timeline. But if you ask Sean Carroll, who's a research professor in physics at the California Institute of Technology, uh, who is uh, legit, his title is expert in quantum mechanics and space time. Wow. The idea of branching is pretty well outlined in theoretical physics, which uses quantum mechanics. It's not. And then I'm going to use this exact quote. So from here until I say stop quote is a exact quote from him. It's not really time that branches. It's the whole universe that branches at certain times. Oh. So, to briefly explain how he works, the movement of quantum particles is highly uncertain. Yes. Leading to many different possible states, which are also called superpositions, in which the particle can exist. Yes. So, the thing that we don't quite understand about the quantum mechanics is that objects exist in superpositions of different possible outcomes at all times. Like Schrodinger's cat? Like Schrodinger's cat. Okay. So, at any given time, this Let's say we have a particle, uh listeners in Cordell. Pretend you're holding a particle in your hand. It's just a little round ball. We're always holding particles, dummy. Quantum true. But you have like a let's, let's pretend it's an eight ball. Like a billiards eight ball. Imagine you're holding that in your hand. Listeners, if you're driving, don't imagine you're holding it in your hand. Keep both hands on the wheel. Well, imagine it. Imagine a third arm that is holding an eight ball. Okay. Quantum mechanically, this eight ball is spinning In every direction it possibly can at all times, no matter what. And that creates every infinite possible superposition that that eight ball can be in. Each one of those is a different multiversal world.
1: So the concept alone of what direction 8-Wall is spinning generates an infinite number of possible realities and universes. Yes. And then every single variable possible within every single reality generates another infinite number of realities.
0: Yes. Good times, good times. Now, the problem with it being quantum is that that inherently makes it not observable. Like we cannot view that constantly. We can view quantum stuff in a snapshot, but we cannot constantly view it. And anytime we view it, we're only
1: viewing the version that is here. Like what superpositions you called them?
0: Yes. Yeah. To me, we're only viewing. Yeah.
1: Am I understanding right that superpositions
0: are possibilities? Yes. That is a great. That is a. Best way of thinking: it. A, a superposition is a possible state of its being.
1: And so, once we've observed it, like with Schrödinger's cat, we have confirmed which position is actually in to our observable world. Yes. Ra- and we can't see the superpositions. We can o- so once it's observed, we know what it is. Exactly. Yes. You are, you, are, you
0: are thinking through this the right way.
1: And all of quantum physics is basically getting into when things move so fast that we can't observe them, how do they behave? When you get exactly. to the small enough and fast enough level that physics doesn't describe it anymore, that's when
0: we hit quantum physics. Exactly. So okay. this leads to one answer for the question, is the multiverse real? Theoretically. Theoretically, even in theory we have no way to prove or disprove so that means we in the first instance of we scientifically cannot answer this in science corner there is no answer
1: because ironically the moment we looked for proof of a multiverse whatever thing we were able to observe would just be a part of our universe exactly
0: oh that's redonkulous that hurts my head this has been the just super science corner where we put some sense into a nonsensical nonsense.
1: This is the this has been the just super science corner that you can observe in the superposition of what it actually is in this one. There is a reality where this just super science corner is proving that all the multiverses you can observe in that reality aren't real.
0: Ain't that fine? Yeah. Wow. So v- before I move on, I texted Cordell before the the show and said, "I'm warning you beforehand, this science corner is mind-bending," or I think I said it will blow your mind.
1: Yeah, and credit where credit's due, for me, I'm giving myself credit for myself. Yeah, I've definitely researched multiverse stuff like what nerd oh, has like
0: like what well, we both have, yeah. but
1: getting into like because I'd, I'd thought about like, well, if if going left instead of going right makes a branching universe and every decision makes a branching universe. Yeah, but getting down to like literally the possibilities of how an object may be behaving, how it's down to the particular level of like. Yes. The possibility of what a particle might do is creating an infinite branch of universes. Yes. Which also makes me think of chaos theory from Jurassic Park.
0: It, it, yeah, I, yeah okay. it kind of gets into that.
1: Another another thing on the whiteboard, when we do domino eventually, I've got the science corner and it's going to be chaos theory like in Jurassic Park. Deal. Cool. We should do domino soon. I'm going
0: to put that on the schedule. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For, oh, do domino. Let's do domino. While you write that down, I'm going to get into the team affiliations. Unsurprisingly, Loki has been around for so long, he's been on a lot of teams. So, let's just dive in. A-Force, Asgardian gods, Asgardians of the Galaxy, The Avengers, The Brigade of the Realms, Cabal, Cosmic Avengers, Dark Council, European Defense Initiate, Frost Giants, Liberators, Magic Secret Action Squad, which is a dope name. Yeah, I like that one. Right. Prime Movers, Time Variance Authority, a.k.a. the TVA, the Tongue of Creel, and Young Avengers.
1: Oh, sweet mother of mercy. Yep. Oh, my goodness. There is so, so many much teams. with Loki.
0: There is so much. It's absolutely wild.
1: Speaking of an excessive amount, ready for the family tree? Hit me with it. Okay. Parents. Lofi, father deceased. Farbaudi, mother deceased. Odin, adoptive father. Frigga, adopted mother. Thor, Balder, nice. Hermod are his adoptive brothers. Vidar and Tyr are adoptive brothers as well, but they're dead. He married Sigin, who is his wife, but they separated and she died. Uh, children the son of satan tess black hella allegedly fenris the wolf midgard serpent are allegedly his sons other descendants horfin sturm drang wolf gods uh and then other relatives he's got cole Vili, and vey who are adoptive uncles all dead also there's L- loki and kid loki who are previous incarnations of him that are dead there's Arkin, yeah. his cousin, and Hoder, his paternal adoptive cousin. All that came from marvel.fandom.com. Thank you very much. Oh. So
0: this is going to be another fun thing. Oh, no. Amorous entanglements. Mother of Pearl. Surprisingly, outside of his wife, who Cordell named, there's nothing, really. What? He's been tricked into relationships where nothing happened. That's it. Everything else that he's been involved with has been just a trick that he did not know was aware of. Therefore there was no amorous to entangle.
1: There were simply entanglements.
0: They were just entanglements. They were not amorous at all. That really fits for Loki. It really does. Like the I was kind of upset when I first like read it and then I was like, oh no, that that doesn't yeah, actually make sense. That makes sense. sense. Okay. Now, I really don't think this
1: next section will be that nice and clean. Tell me about the retcons, Caleb. Because
0: of how Loki is written, and the fact that he can change reality, it is borderline impossible to write down every retcon. And borderline impossible
1: to determine whether these retcons technically qualify as retcons if he can literally
0: rewrite his past and lie about it at every turn. So exactly like the science corner, there are both infinite retcons and no retcons. I need a drink. The only one that is like actually definitively a retcon is the fact that he was set up in Venus and then that was erased and re-writ- he was rewritten starting Journey into Mystery Issue 86. That is the only definitive retcon. The other ones now, because he has the ability to literally change reality, there is no way of actually defining and figuring out what is a retcon and what is not. Yeah, which
1: I think now's the perfect time to get into. This man now has the power to tell a story and rewrite reality. What do you do with that?
0: It's, it's, you, you kill him. They've already done but that. You can't it didn't stick. Yeah, but now, here's the thing, Cordell, you physically can't kill him. No. He just tells a quick story, and he's fine. Yeah, and he could easily tell a story where next time he dies, he didn't really die. Cordell, we've we've talked about how like Superman is all-powerful. There are these that are all-powerful. Loki is the first actual character where nobody could beat him. Because all you would have to do is change reality around it. Yeah.
1: We have a a literal god? Yes. Like, I don't I don't like now and then, who are the like mm-hmm. cosmic entities, they're children of eternity. Um it frustrates me, and Marvel has done this a lot at this point, so I can't really be overly frustrated, but I kinda can be. Marvel likes to invent the, like, biggest possible thing that could be faced. Like, there is actual canonical god in Marvel. There's the one above all. There's even, like, the one below all, which the Hulk has fought recently. Like, Marvel always invents the next biggest evil, and then a few years later invents the next next biggest thing. Like, Loki at one point tricked the gods of the gods into letting him go because he told them if gods were made by imagination, then didn't the gods create their own gods? Which means, aren't you at our mercy?
0: It's just insane. It just doesn't it's stop. Insane. It does it doesn't not make, stop. It doesn't stop, and it also, sorry for any huge Marvel fans out there, doesn't make sense.
1: No, and I, I overall am a Marvel guy, but like... There is a big narrative issue I have with just just putting out, like, God and the most evil thing you could ever imagine,
0: knowing that it's going to be topped in a few years. It, well, it's knowing that it's going to be topped in a few years and the fact that Marvel consistently feels a need to, to top themselves. Yeah, there is constant one-upsmanship of
1: themselves. And, I mean, DC does it to a degree. Any long-running thing does it. Supernatural on TV did it. But, like... Yeah. If you go long enough and tell stories long enough, the biggest story you told is now not going to be big enough. That's kind of my concern with the MCU, is they did Endgame. That was huge, and they could have stopped then, but they haven't, which is okay. There's more stories to tell, I get it. But what is the next big thing they can do that is bigger than that?
0: Well, and... Okay, Cordell and I keep up with the MCU. We watch pretty much every movie, every show that comes out as it comes out. Yeah. Because we're nerds, not just for this show. But I think we are seeing the repercussion of that with big stuff in plots happen sooner every show. And ever since Endgame, we're seeing the big bad. Right out the gate. We're seeing the problem right out the gate. That's true. That's true. And I think they're currently setting up Kang
1: the Conqueror as the oh, next they, big, they big bad.
0: They 100% are setting up Kang.
1: Like, they did that with the TV show Loki. Spoilers for everybody. Sorry. But spoiler, spoiler zone. They did it with Kang, and I think they're setting him up. I think Kang's going to reappear in, like, Quantumania with Ant-Man. But, like, everything is now... Universe and multiverse threatening. Every movie has that big of a threat. Gone are the days of like the destroyer is going to level a town in New Mexico or an army's attacking New York. Like, we are at the point where Ultron was an extinction level event, Thanos was a universe half wiping event. Like, the next thing, I think they're just going to have to be like a cessation of reality. Like, if Kang gets whatever it is Kang actually wants, reality ends, I guess. But then they have to stop there, right? But they won't. They won't. Uh, it's my concern. And it's that's why I'm such a strong believer in knowing the end of your story, sticking the landing, and
0: leaving it alone unless you have another self-contained story to tell. But here, here's the thing. I think they did know the end of their story. They did. I think Endgame was supposed to be end of MCU, that's it, boom, bam, done. Money talks, baby. Money talks and I might get in the hot water for this. I don't care. When Marvel was bought by Disney is when we saw a shift in storytelling to we've got to keep pumping out more. That's true. The amount of Marvel MCU
1: content has exponentially grown since.
0: Yeah, and it's
1: just... It's not good. And I i mean, in the grand scheme, it's kind of a net
0: positive, I guess, because like I still love these movies. It's a net positive, but it's kind of our, we're going to hit a point where it's where we have positive. to admit that too much of a good thing is a bad thing.
1: Yeah. And I mean, there's nothing worse than looking back on your favorite shows that hit a point or your favorite movie series that hit a point where they should have stopped and you can clearly see where they had the ending and they should have kept it and they didn't, and then the quality goes down. And I I do think we're going to see that with the MCU. I think we've seen that with comics decades ago, where it's like we can have new high points, but you kind of hit a point where if you don't start something fresh that's genuinely fresh and finish that story, you run out.
0: Yeah. But we, I'll be honest. Cordell and I could keep talking about this at yeah. the museum. We could keep going forever and ever. I want to keep this show a little more positive though, so I think we just move on absolutely. yeah, like, like let's let's take a moment, breathe, acknowledge
1: that we can still love this thing we're talking about and be concerned for its future. And that's oh, I wa- yeah. I want to center that discussion we just had on that. We love superheroes and we love comics and we love these stories. Mm -hmm. And we want them to keep being good. And that's why we have this show. That's why we do this is because we think there is so much awesome potential. And it hurts our hearts to see that potential being wasted or misused or just overused. Yeah. With that in mind, let's move on to the coolest moment. Caleb, what do you think is Loki's coolest moment?
0: I think it is less of a moment and more of how he is. And I think it is, when we look at the variants of Loki, and we look at Loki's powers and abilities, and throughout the history, we see Loki being a man, a woman, non-binary, whatever. A fox? A fox. We see a gender-fluid Loki. Okay. And we see representation of gender-fluidity in popular Media with not a big deal made about it at all, exactly, which I think is incredible. Yeah, because i I I think I've talked about this on the show before, listeners. Sorry if I haven't. You don't want to hear about it again. I'm gonna talk about it again. I think that is the way representation should be. Is this is how it is? Let's not make a big deal about it. Yeah,
1: if we look at the era when Loki became a woman, that was in two thousand seven yeah like that was that was in the ahead of the curve yeah and it wasn't a big deal because it was a superhero thing that like Mm -hmm. wasn't it wasn't made out to be a gender fluidity or a gender identity thing it was loki's a god that changes what loki looks like a lot
0: exactly just like how no one
1: bats an eye when mystique is a
0: dude exactly like mystique is another is another cool like cool representation without it being like in-your-face representation such as two X-Men characters that I won't talk about. um, That and, let's be honest, another cool moment. I'm sorry, I kind of have two, but they kind of blend together. That's okay. I have two lame moments. The variants of Loki are true variants throughout the comics. Yeah. They are totally different from each other, unlike variants of Thor, which are all, Thor. you know, uh, Thor, slightly different. Like, very slightly different.
1: Yeah, it's it's neat to see a character who is so malleable in terms of what you can do with them. Yes, and that is my cool moment for Loki. Which, hold that moment in mind, because I have a lame moment that kind of, like, interacts with that in a neat way that I just want to talk about. I don't even know if I fully agree with it anymore, but, like, I want to address it. Yeah. My coolest moment is... That there was a moment when the current Loki was confronted by the ghosts of the original Loki and Kid Loki. Yes. And the OG Loki was like, you're a villain and you're the god of lies. Accept that fate and be bad. And Kid Loki was like, hey, do what I did and die to save the world from you. And Loki was like, I'm conflicted. Do I have to be evil or dead? Is the Dark Knight correct? But he said, no. No. He chose a third option by realizing that a lie is nothing more than a story. And if he could rewrite his lies, he could rewrite his own story. Yep. And he chose a third option. And I think that's kind of what's awesome about Loki. Too. And that's an awesome way to shift a character who's been around for a long time to do something cool and new while keeping true to the core of the character.
0: Yeah, so as yeah, much
1: yeah. as I don't like reality warping Loki, I like that that's how they got to there. Lamest moment. Do
0: you wanna say if you have two, do you wanna do like you, me, you? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, sandwich it.
1: My first lamest moment is just uh, he he killed a younger version of himself. Yeah. To take over his body and have a way back. So like no matter what we think, no matter what the current Loki does, he kinda killed a kid to be alive again. Yeah.
0: That's fair. Not
1: to mention the constant backstabbing and betraying he's done his entire life.
0: Speaking of the constant backstabbing and betraying he's done his entire life, he actually created Absorbing Man. Really? He created Absorbing Man literally just to beat Thor. Are we talking like Carl Creel? Yes. Loki he made took Carl, Carl Creel? Creel? Loki took Carl Creel, a normal dude, and made him into Absorbing Man just to make him wreak havoc on Thor. Thor. This dude was a professional heavyweight boxer. I mean, he did turn,
1: like, he did kind of become an enforcer. But, like, that's insane. He was a decent dude.
0: Exactly. And Loki made him into the villain that he is. Wow. That's lame, Loki. It's very lame. And the, the, one of the problems that I have with it is that we know from the comics that Loki has good within him. Mhm. So for him to do that and then do nothing to correct himself is wildly lame. Just so lame. I'm actually getting frustrated about it. Yeah. Also sorry listeners, I have a cold. That's why my voice is weird this week.
1: It is very frustrating to the way comics have a short memory of like Loki made Carl Creel and made him into a bad guy, and I'm sure it's never been brought up since, ever. Yeah. Like, the causality in comics gets weird, too, because you see all these things that are caused by several different people, done by several different people, all the bad stuff that characters do and are never held accountable that people just forget, because we gotta tell other stories. It's ridiculous and bad. Yeah. Which is why Caleb and I are big proponents of strict continuity, baby. Strict continuity. Continuity. My other lame moment is like what you're talking about. No matter how much variance there is in Loki, a trickster's always gonna trick. The character is kind of always predictable. Like, even even me talking about Loki deciding to take a third option and be good, shortly after that in the comics, he decides he's gonna run for president by tricking people and setting up attacks on other candidates to save the day. Yep. And then tries yep. to trick th- uh, Doctor Strange into letting Loki be the Sorcerer Supreme like no matter how much they try to like point out the good in Loki they always come back to him being a conniving selfish trickster
0: uh, okay I, you have a point and I am I'm, I'm gonna give you that but I think this gets into the problem that you had with my lame moment for Deku almost of like Deku's not able to stop himself from helping people even when it's not needed like, look, he's inherently he's the god of mischief. He was literally born, bred, raised to cause mischief. Yeah, you're right. I just What if, what if I told you to stop being such a cutie, huh? For you, I would. That's some big words. I love you, bro. Well love you too.
1: Anyway, um no, I I get it. I just <laughs> I kinda like what the TV show's doing with him of he's still kind of selfish still a trickster but he's becoming an anti-hero like he's he's still loki but he's learning to do good and to actually care whereas it seems like loki in the comics anytime he learns that lesson eventually completely forgets this lesson he learned and becomes evil again only to learn the good lesson again and that's what i don't like it's
0: one the thing cyclical the nature cyclical of it.
1: nature of it like if loki didn't keep forgetting the lesson That'd be fine. Like, I never expect him to stop being mischievous or a trickster, but every time he turns good, he's going to turn bad again.
0: That makes more sense, and I agree with you more on that when you phrase it that way.
1: I think that's lame. And also, that, of course, that gets into the going-on-too-long discussion that we had earlier, so we're going to shake a little bit move on to live-action adaptations. Mm. He's played by Tom Hiddleston in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. And Tom does a really good job. Yes. I I like the revival they're doing with his TV show because I was sick of him by Endgame.
0: By Infinity yeah. War, I mean. Yeah, I was sick of him by Infinity War. I He's also played... There are some people that play his Variants that are actually big name actors, though.
1: That's true. I, I didn't want to get into the Variant discussion as much because we'd kind of be here all day listing those in this show. Fair. Yeah, fair. But... He's also an alligator, too. So, I mean, great job to that gator.
0: Cool. Good job, gator. Now, Cordell. Yeah? Was Loki in the Infinity Saga. Caleb. Uh-huh? It's time. Wait, what, what do you mean? I'm, what do you mean? I'm killing this bit. Oh, no, wait.
1: You're killing the bit? I'm killing the bit. But... we We ask this question every episode... And it, most
0: of the time, yeah. it's not
1: relevant. It's silly. It's fun, but it's silly. And we've got more relevant stuff going
0: on. Uh, okay. I mean, but like, we do... I mean, I guess we do have other bits that are more fun and... Informative. Informative. And, and, and progress the show. And per- progress the show. and I mean, you have... I guess, I guess you have a point. I think it's time. Cordell, I would like... You to find a, um, just a a rights free version of Auld Lang Syne to play over this next bit for me. It's not gonna happen. Or you can find the, the backpipe, um, Amazing Grace. Either of them Ah, is fine. Okay,
1: you start. I'll, I'll go in the background and do it myself.
0: Okay. Here lies the most beautiful bit that we ever created. You were born before the show, and your legacy will live on for the rest of the show. Here lies, were they in the Infinity Saga? And for a final answer, in the case of Loki, surprisingly, no.
1: I'm so sorry, listeners, for (laughs) the screeching and caterwauling I just did. I'm I'm so sorry.
0: <laughs> I tried to give you an out. I tried to just tell you to find a rights-free MP3. That would be it. even
1: more work. I decided to take <laughs> the easy way out and cause our listeners excruciating pain. Which, um, ironically, yeah. it's time ironically. for... Not
0: Super. Super, super.
1: That's right, everybody. It's not super where we talk about literally anything else. Yeah. Caleb, I wrote this question not knowing that that bit would happen just now. Oh, no. So my question is, what would be the most annoying
0: talent? Um, I think the most annoying talent would be... Oh, man. I was thinking superpowers for a second. Like, what would be the most annoying superpower to have? No, most annoying talent. I don't know. I feel like certain people just have the talent of getting on my nerves. I, I don't know else to I, I, like. I think what you just did was it annoying. Yeah, was it the worst? No, it's fine. But was it a talent? Also, no. No, it was. It was. It was kind of pitchy, but I didn't. I don't know how else to put it. Here's my
1: contender for the most annoying talent: whistle rapping where you you play a song and you're rapping but solely through rhythmic whistling.
0: I I'm in love. I I kind of want to see it. Do you? But also not at all.
1: I I've been practicing um been practicing a tune from Hamilton to whistle rap for you.
0: Please no. But
1: I don't think that would end with us having any listeners left.
0: I, th- I think that would end with the one less friend for you, yeah, uh, so, is how that bite ends.
1: So, unfortunately, like the were they in the Infinity Saga bit, I am not going, The, the I'm going to kill the whistle-wrapping career I had in mind.
0: Good. I, I I think it's for the best overall. And that was not super,
1: where you just got spared a really awful experience. Thank you. Caleb, does Loki live up to his potential?
0: He's been around so long that it's hard for him not to. Yes. Yeah. Kind of where I am. I mean, am. it it it's one of those it's like do do I think he could be done better? Yes, yeah. but he's also been around for so long that like it's borderline impossible for him not to live up to his potential. Yeah. Yeah, he he did it. Like at some
1: point whatever we wish he could really do, he probably did. He probably did and we
0: just don't know about it. So, Caleb, what would you love to see for Loki? I think we're going to have the same answer. You'd be surprised. I want him to retire. I'm kind of done
1: with him. I truly do not know. Really? Yeah, because I would like to see Loki done in a cool new way. I'd like to see a new direction for him as a trickster hero, but it seems like whatever I could think of they've done before and gone back on it. Yeah. So I, I mean you have a point. I think I'd like to see a cool version of him, a cool way to tell his stories, but I think they've already done it. And I think they already went back on it. So I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't think I want him to retire though because retirement Loki? Okay, unless he retires as an old old man who just does illusion tricks
0: around the like Asgardian nursing home. That's exactly what I want. Okay. I can get behind that. I want, like, a superhero retirement home storyline.
1: Yes, the Old Vengers. Old
0: Vengers. Marvel,
1: hire us. We got to write Marvel, the Old Vengers. Hire us. Hire us
0: for the Old Avengers, please. Cordell guesses a picture. That was soft and melodious, dude. Uh, It was also very bad. I'm pretty sure you're going to hear it again later when you're editing this. This is the part of the show where uh, I send Cordell an extremely zoomed in picture. And he has two questions to try and narrow down who it is. Now, last week, Cordell got it wrong, but the one and only Shastanaugh got it right. It was Bane. I would. I tricked Cordell into way overthinking what it could possibly be.
1: In my defense, whoever drew that Bane has no concept of how to shade people in drawings
0: or what human muscles look like. You know, I don't think anyone that draws Bane knows how muscles work, but I'm about to send Cordell an extremely zoomed-in picture, and he has two questions to try and narrow down who it could possibly be. Well, listeners... As with most episodes, I'm left wondering,
1: could could this be Loki? I don't think it is. I actually have an idea. Um, so I'm going to describe it. We've got primarily black and green costume. The black is a little more dominant. We're seeing, I think, the torso. Um, and then there's, like, green kind of accent shapes going around it. Um... I have a theory. I have a couple theories, so I'm going to start with a very specific question to get into it. Caleb, is this yeah. character an Asgardian? Yes. Okay. Caleb, is this character a woman? Yes. Is this Hella?
0: Is Cordell right? Is Cordell wrong? He'll find out next week, but you got, or you guys will find out next week, but he'll find out in just a few minutes. Uh you can play along by in the replies of the Uh, Show announcement tweet.
1: Yeah, you get shouted out if you get it right. Moving on to listener mail, we have an email from our friend Olivia. I am... There are three questions in here. We're going to rapid fire them, okay? Oh, no. Okay, so Caleb, this is going to kind of be a like, like, I say something, you say the first thing that comes to your mind after, okay?
0: Okay, okay, okay.
1: In the MCU, the blip erased half of humanity, which obviously had huge repercussions. However, people are still people, so I have to assume some things stayed the same, including on Twitter. How many people do you think posted about their taboo crushes on (laughs)
0: Um, Five people. Five? um, Okay. And there was uh, fan art. And they got, like, really roasted by the rest of the Twitter. Absolutely roasted.
1: Okay, next. Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor, and he's very well known as a Shakespearean director and actor. Considering this, yes. which future Marvel movie would you like to see him direct with a dramatic Shakespeare flavor? And why is it Black Widow comes back for revenge on all the people who said, not nah, only Tony needs a funeral. <laughs> why is it that movie?
0: Um, because um, because isn't that the plot of like a lot of Shakespeare revenge shows? Basically,
1: yeah. I would actually like to see, like, I don't know, someone comes back and they're like, no funeral, and they go on a killing spree. Yes. Okay, three. The upcoming Doctor Strange movie is about multiverses. I don't really understand the multiverse, but what are the chances we'll get to see a glimpse of a world where he's in a homosexual relationship with Everett Ross from Black Panther? <laughs>
0: Um. Well, that would be a very um. Uh. Uh. uh, Oh gosh, of uh the the same chance that the BBC Sherlock has of coming back. Oof.
1: Statistically, in the multiverse, it exists. Will we see it in the movie? No.
0: Here's the thing. Not only does it statistically exist. There is both an infinite amount of them being in a homosexual relationship and an infinite amount of them being in a not-homosexual relationship. That's true. And there's
1: also an infinite amount where they have a lot of will-they-won't-they tension that lasts for way too long, and they're the stars of their world's version of Friends. Wow. Speaking of will-they-won't-they tension... well,
0: well. Oh, there's more?
1: It says, thank you, Olivia. P.S. Oh. Please talk about Batman forever sometime. That's the only Batman
0: I like. We'll get the, there. Brilliant. We'll get there, we Olivia. Will. And we'll get there sooner than we originally thought. Oh, yeah,
1: folks. Kelvin and I have been discussing. We don't think movie episodes come around enough. Yeah. When we when we started the show, we thought every five episodes because you know what? There aren't. We we sorely underestimated the lack of movies there were in the superhero genre. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the amount that would be made.
1: Yes. And the amount that would keep coming out. So I mean, in like the MCU alone, if we hit thirty movies, which we will, if we do those every five weeks, it would take us hundred and fifty weeks to do the MCU, otherwise known as a little three under three years. years. Whereas with our three-week model, it will only take us ninety weeks, which is almost two years.
0: Yeah. So, it's just a discussion right now. Uh, reach out if you guys want to uh, either uh, DM on Twitter, reply on Twitter, tweet about the show Email in general. Us. Yeah. Email if you have one of our numbers. I guess you can text us. I don't know. Yeah.
1: Basically, the question on the table, should we go to an every third episode model like we have with our large and small character episodes? And honestly, kind of like the beginning of the show was.
0: Yeah, yeah. The first three episodes, is what, that's what we did.
1: And so we're, we're leaning toward this, but we want to hear what you guys think. So if you'd like to do that, you can email us at justsuper616 at gmail.com. You could follow us on Twitter at justsuper 616 If you want to follow Caleb, the multiversal mind-bender, you could do so at Awkward from 1997. If you wanted to follow Cordell, the one and only
0: in all the multiverse, you could at Cordelicious. Thank you to the one and only, the one and only in all the multiverses, Cordell Hutchison, for editing this week's episode. Um, Thank you to Haley Northington. Um, the only other one and only in the all the multiverses. Yeah, there were only two one and only in all the
1: multiverses, and they're in this one.
0: Yep, it's surprise. It's surprising, but they're both here. Uh, for uh, making our podcast art for us. Uh, if you like the way our podcast art looks, and maybe you want some art of your own, you can find that at littlelight97.redbubble.com. This show is produced by Cordell and I speaking into two separate microphones in two separate places, and a way you can be super this week is to do two things. I have two things. Okay. For the end of the show. Yeah. Number one, don't make a big deal of people's gender identity. It's just a thing. Just accept it and move on. And say goodbye to the very bad laptop I've been recording this show on that has caused how many shows to be delayed, Cordell? Oh, it is
1: it has just wounded my heart so many times. Good riddance, goodbye. And also, another way to be super is don't lie to people. Like, like don't be
0: a trickster yeah.
1: unless it's fun pranks.
0: Yeah, don't lie. Uh. Also, Cordell, if you can start the music here and then i'm gonna do or start the music in a second and i'm gonna do a little eulogy for this laptop at the end of the show okay here lies the laptop that has made this show so weird about its release and the other show we do kind of weird about it's really it's just a very bad laptop and it's very bad and that's it goodbye Bye.